Amen. How many of us are ready for the Word of God? Amen. How many of us love the Word of God? How many of us live by the Word of God? Amen. It is our lifeline. Without the Word of God, we have nothing. You know, last week after, after um, Sister Nantland, I don't know if she's here tonight, after she preached, um, I was talking to Dad, and Dad says, yo, that message was powerful, short, and straight to the point. And I said to Dad, I need to go to her to lay hands on me because that message was power-packed in just a few minutes. You know, some of us, you want to go scripture after scripture, you know, but sometimes you just need that uppercut, that t- technical knockout that takes you out in the first round. So um, I need to find a giver a seat and say, man, please lay your hands on me. Amen. But tonight I'll try to keep it brief uh, because I'd like for us to do some praying. Um, we live by prayer in this house. We don't live by anything else. We live by prayer. The word of God and prayer. And I'll be preaching on the word or teaching rather when God leads you. That's the title of the teaching. When God leads you. Let's just start with a few scriptures. Jeremiah chapter 6 verse 16. I'm just going to ask the media guys to please work with me because I don't have any of these scriptures quickly, uh, readily available. It says, this is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it. And you will find rest for your souls. But you said we will not walk in it. The Lord says, stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it and you'll find rest for your souls. Isaiah chapter 31 verse 21. My apologies, chapter 13, not 21, not chapter 31, 13. O people of Zion who live in Jerusalem, you will weep no more. How gracious will he be when we cry for help. As soon as he hears us, he will answer you. Although the Lord gives you the bread of adversity and the water of affliction, your teachers will be hidden no more. With your own eyes you will see them. Verse 21. Wherefore, you turn to the right or to the left. Whether you turn to the left or to the right, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, This is the way. Walk in it. Psalm 32 verse 8 to 9. Psalms chapter number 32, verse 8 to 9. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will give you counsel and watch over you. Do not be like the horse or the mule, which have no understanding, but also be controlled by bit and brittle, or they will not come with to you. Go back to verse 8 in the King James Version. I will instruct thee, number one. I will teach thee, number two, in the way that thou should go, and I will guide thee, number three, with mine own eye. Father, in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus the Christ, we thank you for the reading of your word. As we go into your word, Heavenly Father, I ask in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus the Christ, that you use this word to build us up and make us strong. As I stand here, O Heavenly Father, I do not stand as one adequate 
or one who is trusting in his own intellect. But Father God, I depend on you. So Holy Ghost, I ask you to help me. Use my tongue as the pen of a radio writer, inscribing into the hearts of your people the precepts and the statutes that, Father God, they will be built up and be strong. I thank you, Heavenly Father, that at the end of this service, only you will be glorified. Jesus, only you will be glorified. We thank you, O God. Holy Ghost, as we are gathered here, we ask you for your help. Help me, Holy Ghost. In Jesus' mighty name we have prayed. Amen. Like I said, the title of the teaching is When God Leads You. And straight to the point, the leading of God is threefold. God leads us in three ways. Number one, by giving us instructions. He says, I will instruct you. Instructions are not given to fill your head with information. They're given to give you direction. It says, instructions are given so that we can become experts, receive intelligence, become skilled, prudent, as well as wise. Number two way that we are led by God is through teachings. Teachings do not come like instruction. Teachings are not given to fill our heads with information. But teachings are given for action. The word where we get the, the root word where we derive the word teaching comes from something that describes to either shoot with an arrow, cast a spear, or allow water to flow. So when a man is taught, he's now capacitated to be like an arrow that is shot, or a spear that is cast, or a river that is flowing. So that is the purpose or the primary purpose of being taught. That's what the word the root word of teaching, where it comes from. The word teaching helps us understand that when a man is taught, he's not taught so that he can go off what he knows, but he can stand and walk in what he knows. The third way that we are led by God is by counsel. All these three definitions are found from Psalm 32 verse 8. It is God himself who declares that I what? I will instruct you. What will I do? I will also teach you. I will teach you the way in which that you should go. And I will guide you with my own eye. The third way that we are led by God is through what is called counsel. Another version uses counsel instead of guide. This is where you get the counsel of God. Counsel is where you don't just get, you know, some of us love, we think God is just a God of rebuke, of rebuke, of thunder, of revenge. Yes, that is a side of God, but there's a side of God where if you come with a heart that is willing to, to, to learn and want to know, God gives you what is called counsel. And through counsel, God brings us closer to purpose. Are we still following? So, one of the things that we need to understand or what we need to know is that God, not only does God teach us, which in actual fact today I will just be focusing on point number two, which is teaching. Because there's something that, or a place that God is bringing us to. God will not just teach you his words. He will teach you his words. But the 
reason why he teaches you his words is so that you can know his ways. And the importance of knowing his ways is so that you can know how he moves. Because most of us, we feel goosebumps and we're like, God just moved. But sometimes you don't know, maybe the aircon is too, it's too high. We feel a cooling breeze, can't know it's just a fan. God teaches us his way so that we can know how he moves, so that we can move as he moves. The moves of God are not just for us to walk around with just sensations and get fantasized over what happens. And I'm not bashing any physical manifestations. I'm not. The one thing that I'm against is spiritual fantasism. Where we will fake experiences because once upon a time God moved in this way. So I know God moved that way. So if I react in the way that he moved the last time, maybe he'll move again. And then for the next 10 years, we're trying to know. One of the things that I rarely do nowadays because I've understood a path of the just is like a shining light that goes brighter and brighter. I would pray at one point, God, like you did at Pentecost. And I realized Pentecost wasn't the standard. Pentecost was the starting point. So if I am going to ask God for the starting point, when am I going to finish? When am I going to get there? It's like you're moving on gear three and you're like, you know, if only I can start the ignition again. We are at the advancement of God's move and we just need to align with what God is doing and key into it and move as God moves. God teaches us his way so that we can know how he moves so that we can move as he moves. When God teaches a man, it is so that man is capacitated to move, speak, think, and act as he would. That's why when God says, when his counsel comes, he says he will lead us through his eyes. It's a funny thing. It's a very funny thing. I come to think of it. If I ask Deacon Noah to come here, and I ask him, don't listen to my words. Obviously, that's not, that's not what God's saying. I want to guide you to do something, but with my eyes. If you come to think of it, he has to be facing nowhere else but here. So the counsel and the guidance of God is for those who are standing in face-to-face -face experience with God. That's why Moses was never late. That's why Moses never lacked. Because the Bible says Moses was a man who spoke with God face-to-face. -face. It's funny how Exodus chapter number 30 will tell us that Moses spoke with God on the mountain face to face. 30 verse 11. He spoke to God face to face. And then later on Moses says, uh, show me your face. And God says, you cannot see my face for no man can see my face uh, and live. But yet the Bible still says Moses was a man who lived in face to face experience with God. But the Greek for that is called Peniel El Panim. Which is intimacy with God. Don't expect to be led by God if you're not intimate with Him. The unfortunate thing is that today we just talk intimacy, but we don't live intimacy. We know that intimacy is closeness with God. But like what God was saying, these people, their words are calling me, but their hearts are far from me. God says He will lead you with what? His eyes. You will not see the movement of His eyes unless you are watching Him. And these are the days that the church should be living in face-to-face -face relationship with God. We look nowhere else but at Him. Looking unto Jesus. 
the author and the finisher of our faith. The Amplified says, looking away from all things that distract, all the enemy wants. The enemy doesn't want your car. Newsflash. The enemy doesn't care about your house. Doesn't care about your job. He'll just bring noise so that you can stop looking at God. There's nothing. You see, if you want to frustrate God, it doesn't matter how good it is, how bad it is, how, how, how bad the wave is. As long as you stay face to face with God, there's nothing the enemy can ever do to you. Absolutely nothing. So now the problem is that we are holding onto God's hands, but our eyes and our faces are not looking at God. And we're expecting things to flow. Peter steps onto the water. He's in the same environment with God. But he's sinking. And that's where many of us are. In the same environment with God. But we are sinking. Not because the enemy is beating us badly. It is because we are distracted from where we should be looking. If you're not looking at him face to face, you'll get distracted by what happens all around. We are not moved by what, what is moving. We are moved by him as he moves. In him we move. In him we live. In him we have our eternal being. It is that by God that we live. And it only takes one thing. Face to face. Face to face relationship. Gone are the days where we will brag about how long we've been saved. But no results show for it. Gone are the days oh, where we will brag about how much we hear God, but no results show for it. Gone are the days where we will brag about what we see and what others have seen, but we have no results to show for it. The results that we will produce will be that of those who walk in face-to-face -face relationship with God. If God needs to lead you by His eyes, you need to ensure that you are in a certain posture. I always make this as an example. If I ask Brother Kevin, please come closer, sir. We all know that everyone who's born again is called the righteousness of God. The word righteousness comes from the word right standing. If he's facing that way, face the other way. Example, say I'm God, he's a believer. For you, he's in right standing. But he's actually not. He's in the right positioning. Many of us are near the things of God. But don't experience the things of God. Because we are in the right position. But not right standing. Right standing is face to face with God. You may be around the things of God. But you will not expect the things of God until you turn around and face God. And that's where many of us lose it. I've been in church. I've done this. I've been, I've heard many people, thank you sir. I've heard many people who will tell me, don't tell me about church. I've done it all. And this person has been born again for 15 years. But you don't see any fruit of their relationship. By their fruit, you will know them. By their fruit. The quality of fruit and result you produce is what determines the strength of your relationship with Christ. That is why many people could be born again for five months and they're producing better fruit than them that have been born for five years. Don't tell me how long you've been born. Let's see the fruit. Let it speak for itself. And the moment you get to this, you'll realize it's not about argument. You'll stop fighting to win arguments. Your results and your, and your, and your fruit will speak for itself. Your result and fruit will speak for itself. We need to get to that point 
Whereas Christians, there's nothing else that speaks for us. Glory to Jesus, but every time they see our work ethic is extremely low. Don't we ever get tired of that? Shouldn't we come to a point where our work ethic speaks louder than we do? Our results speak louder than we do. Yes, they will fight us. Yes, they will bash us. Yes, they will argue with us. But there are two things that need to happen in similitude. You need to work hard and you need to pray hard. God, the, the, the days of pray hard, just pray hard. No, don't worry, grace will come. You know, that, those days are gone. That's nonsense. Don't just pray hard. Work hard. And don't just work hard. Pray hard. Let them both work together. Hard work and, and hard prayer is like left and right. Imagine, pray hard. You're praying hard. You're not going anywhere. You're hopping around. Or work, or work hard. Yeah. But how about you walk balanced? When the night hits, your altar knows you. Your altar knows you. Rahande Therenoshte. When you get to work, you only open your Bible at lunch and you read it. Between other outside of that, you are working hard. You are making relationships at work. No, my friend. How will they get converted? Also, how will you get promotion? Because I know that relationships are assets. I'm not saying be friends, but be friendly with your colleagues. And that's where the problem is with us as Christians. We find out, oh, I'm going to you. No. No. Doesn't the Bible call you the salt of the earth? Oh, oh, oh. The salt when you're cooking. The salt stick on the other side. And so this one is uh, cayenne pepper. I don't mix with cayenne pepper. I don't mix with meat. I don't mix with six gun. What does it do? It gets inside. And it infiltrates everything. So that everything is affected by its taste. You are the salt of the earth. You are called to infiltrate everything of this world. Your world must be infiltrated by you. And it's not only just how, how bombastic tongues you speak that will bring people to you. No. If you work hard and it shows... You work an hour earlier, you work an hour after. They will see there's something different about this one. They work hard. But I got, I got good luzegi. You can't move them. We try to find this. We can't. We try to find this. We can't. What can we do? Wasn't that the same thing that happened with Daniel? They tried to find a way that they can bring him down. They said, you know what? We know he does something. And if we can find fault in what he does, we will get him. They said, King, make a decree that anyone who prays to any other God, imagine how excellent you are in life. That the only thing they can use against you is your prayer life. Oh. Oh. When will we get to the point where everything is excellent? That if they want to fault you, they should say, no, this one prays too much. They can know that prays too much. 
And he's not praying too much and neglecting other things. No. You're praying too much while everything is still intact. School is intact. Varsity is intact. Work is intact. Business is intact. Marriage is intact. Family is intact. Nothing is falling apart. Why? Because everything is kept together by your prayer life. The paths of God are not only shown, they are taught. God doesn't just show you his paths. He teaches you his paths. Psalm 25, 4-5. Show me your ways. Teach me your paths. Lead me in thy truth and teach me. For thou art the God of my salvation. On thee do I wait all the day. Show me the way. Show me your path. But not only that. Teach me. Teach me. Teach me on how I should walk. Teach me on where I should walk. Teach me on when I should walk. Ah, <laughs> Just for 30 seconds, pray in the Holy Ghost. Pray in the Holy Ghost. No, just for 30 seconds. Jatovalatai. <laughs> Listen, the truths of God are not only accessed randomly. Men are guided and led to them. When God teaches you, or the teaching of the Lord is synonymous with knowing His paths and ways. We are taught His ways so that we can know His paths. And you don't just know as a head knowledge. You, are, you know it because you are being directed along that path. Isaiah chapter number 2 verse 3 and Michael 4, 1, 2, 2. Start from verse, let's start from verse 1. Start from verse 1. The word that Isaiah the son of Amos saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. And it shall come to pass in the last days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established in the top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills and all nations shall flow unto it. And many people shall go and say, Come ye and let us go up the mountain of the Lord to the house of the God of Jacob. And he will teach us his ways and we will walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. Micah 4 chapter, Micah chapter 4 verse 1 to 2. Micah echoes these words, says, In the last days it shall come to pass that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established in the top of the mountains, and it shall be exalted above the hills, and people shall flow unto it.
And many nations shall come and say, Come, let us go up the mountain of the Lord and to the house of the God of Jacob. And he will teach us his ways and he will, we will walk in his paths. For the Lord shall go forth of Zion and the word of God from Jerusalem. There's one thing that we need to know. Go back to verse 2. Verse 2, go back. It says, let us go up the mountain of the Lord and to the house of Jerusalem house of God of Jacob and he will teach us his ways he teaches you his ways so that you can walk in his paths this is why I can confidently say don't tell us about don't just end at this is the revelation I carry is the revelation you carry give you the direction of where you need to go because that revelation is the starting point. It's not the end goal. That's why it is, it is wrong for us to, on the basis of revelation, to expect to be lifted up. Because revelation is the first base. <laughs> I don't want to bring this here. But every child of God is mandated to flow. If you want to properly work, walk in the authority of a thing, there are five levels you need to go through. Number one is revelation. And after revelation, revelation brings illumination. Ephesians 1 verse 7 and 18. And I pray that God will give you the spirit of revelation and wisdom, the knowledge of him, that the eyes of your understanding will be enlightened or illuminated. So by revelation you get what? Illumination. Number three, you get transformation. But we all with unveiled faces, as beholding in a mirror, the image of God are being transformed from glory to glory. Number four is activation. So you are transformed and you are activated to start walking in number five, manifestation. For the whole world groans in anxious anticipation for the manifestation of the sons of God. This is not to make things difficult, but when you want to know God, what are the keys to divine health? God will give you revelation. So that you can, your eyes can be enlightened. And then you can now understand by being transformed. Walking in the place of knowing that health is my portion. And then you are activated to go out there. Not just only talk about getting healed. But being used as a vessel of God to go out there and demonstrate healing. That's why we don't just talk about being blessed. But we also talk about being made turned into blessings. I am blessed is good. But I am a blessing is where the real flex is. How many people are blessed through your job, through your business, through your career, through your marriage? Because marriages are also avenues by where people are blessed. So these five, I wouldn't say, I'll call it just a simple progression. Soon as you catch revelation, God opens your eyes to now say, okay, this is who I am. This is what I'm called for. And then as you are beholding as in a mirror the image of God, you now become transformed into his image. And then you are activated and, to, and also to manifest his kingdom on earth as Jesus did on earth. Listen, Jesus Christ didn't perform the miracles he did to prove that how much of a God he is. When Jesus Christ performed every miracle, he was laying down a blueprint, a template, and a plan for how you should live. Jesus Christ was simply setting a standard. He wasn't saying, listen, I'm this powerful God and guru. 
I'm the only one who can do this. No. That's why when he comes out of, when he, when, before he, he ascends, he says, all power has been given to me. Therefore, go. Because of the authority I've received, I release this authority to you to go. He now releases you to go perform what he performed as he performed it. Because why? He's already on the inside of you. He's transforming you. He's turning you into this vessel. Into this weapon. That will end the needs of the world. That will end the demands of the world. That's what God is doing in us. So he teaches us by his words. So that we can know his ways. Three things concerning the, what God does to man. He will teach you his word. He will teach you his will. And he will teach you his ways. All the time. Every instruction is to capacitate you with regards to his word. It is to capacitate you with regards to his will as well as his ways. Now, if you look at Isaiah as well as Micah, they say these people will say, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord. So that it can what? Teach us. The teachings of the Lord are not found at lower places. Where everything is comfortable and casual. It is not to punish you. But it is to disconnect your attention and focus from all things that distract. That is why God tells Moses, go up the mountain. I mean... The Bible says nothing is too hard for God. God can easily dish anything in front of anyone at any time and at any point. The problem, God doesn't have a problem with dishing. The problem is that you'll be distracted as he's speaking. So he calls Moses to a certain height. And while he's there, he tells them, make sure you build everything according to the pattern you saw at the mountain, at the height, at the top. And then Jesus Christ comes Revelation chapter 4 tells John, come up here and I will show you. But God, can't you show me here at the island of Patmos? No. I need you at a certain altitude. Yes, I've told you about the seven churches. Yes, I've revealed you who I look like. That my eyes burn like fire. That my hair's like wool. That I have, this is how majestic, beautiful and royal I look. But there are things greater than that that you need to see. And these things are not found on the lower plains. They are found in higher altitudes. If you notice, whenever Jesus Christ was ready to release his high revelation or strong instructions, he would call them, call them up to a certain place. Matthew chapter 5 verse 1. Just Matthew chapter 5 verse 1. Just verse 1. Seeing the multitudes, what did he do? What did Jesus do? He went up onto a mountain. And when he sat, his disciples came to him. Jesus went to a certain altitude. And his disciples followed him there. Follow the, 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 the life of Jesus. You will see, sometimes he would say, come, come, come. He called his disciples to the side. Uh, Mark chapter 3 verse 13 to 16 when he's choosing his disciples 
He says he went unto a mountain and he called his disciples that they will be with him. So firstly, so that he can call them or designate them to be apostles so that they can be with him and so that he can send them out to go heal the sick. When he called his, his disciples, it was after a night of prayer. And then he calls them up. On the mountain of transfiguration, they had to go up. And when we're talking about up, we're not talking about go look for a mountain somewhere there near Bedford View. No, that's what I'm saying. Not, I'm not sending you to a, to a mountain. My mountain is in my room, my office. My mountain is sometimes here. My mountain is in there. It has nothing to do with geographic or physical location. It has everything to do with your focus and your intention in touching God. So when you get into prayer, you are not focused. You're not thinking about stop gravy, isidingo, and isibaya. No. Or shaga ilembe. No. You're focusing on Jesus. Your physical location will not change, but your spiritual location, you'll begin to go higher. That's why you, if you read the Bible, you will hear, on the Lord's day, I was in the spirit and I was caught up. Uh, uh, he may have not been caught up physically, some may have, some may haven't been, but the most important one is that spiritually he was caught up. On the Lord's day, I was in the spirit, so that's what we pray for, to get into the spirit. We fight against the flesh because the flesh will pull us back. But we keep on pushing. We keep pushing. We keep pushing. We keep pushing until we are in the spirit. And from that moment, we get caught up. From that moment where we are caught up, that's when the Lord starts to speak. My son, this is what I want you to do concerning your business. Yes, you've been in this field for too long, but adjust this and do this. When you do this, you will see that there will be a turnaround. When God wants to change your life, He doesn't give you money, He gives you a word. That's why the Roman centurion does not ask for many things. Speak your word. At thy word. At thy word. Just give me a word. I don't want many things. Because I'm a man under authority. I understand how authority works. I say to this one, go, and he goes. I say to this one, come, and he comes. He says this because I'm in authority. And because of the authority that I possess, I understand how the word works. Just give me a word. My, 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 my servant doesn't need a touch. My servant doesn't need to touch him. My servant doesn't need to touch you. I know the word will do one of two things. Just say your word. And Jesus Christ says, go. He is well. Why? He sent thy word to heal them. God sends his word. What is the word over your life? What is the word over your situation? His word is not just only to command demons out, but it is to command you to higher altitudes. I was saying to the young guys at the retreat, you know, we have, we have, overly stretched the concept of deliverance. We, we, we have, we have like too, too, too much. Am I against deliverance? No. I'm all for it. Demons need to be cast out. But deliverance is not the, that's, that's only the starting point. Deliverance is not just casting out of a demon. It is the casting in of the word. So you're constantly getting Demons are being cast out. Two years, three years. 
and you trip and you fall. Who are you? How many are you? T7. Man, shut up. Get out. Let him free. Yes, stand up. Now let's go teach you the word. Because that's what true deliverance is. Deliverance is incomplete. If you're just going to cast out the demon. Cast in the word. Get in here. The word has been cast in. Because the word, the authority of the word will bring out those demons out. And also not only bring them out, it will keep them out. What did Jesus say? When a demon is cast out, it will go around in hard places and it will come back. If it finds the house unoccupied, it comes back. So every Sunday, How about one day they cast it out, and the following week, when the demon wants to come back, it finds the word inside of you. Not only that, deliverance is also a changed perspective. Some of you might have come here, and your perspective was, I will not call any man spiritual father. And then you understand, oh, okay, that's deliverance. Sometimes it's that simple. Sometimes you come in, hey, this prosperity gospel, the word comes, and you're like, oh, actually. Your mindset has been switched. Your mindset has been delivered. You now see, oh, okay, this is for me. Some of you will come from churches where they say, the lost, the, the lost miracles died with the lost apostles. No. You get into the word, perspective has changed. Because there are things that you need to do for a Christian. You need to unlearn things, you need to relearn things, and you need to newly learn things. And it's by the word. By the word. Are we against all supernatural manifestations? No. But why should we give you something you cannot sustain? And the only thing that sustains anything is the word. The word of God. Now, concerning the paths and the ways of God, there's something I would like to introduce, which is in the Bible, but it's to bring clarity and perspective on it. Psalm chapter 40, verse 6 to 8. I'm about to pray just now. Sacrifice and offering did, did, did thou not desire. Mine ear has thou opened. Burnt offering and sin offering has thou not required. Then I said, Lo, I come in the volume of the book which is written about me. I delight to do thy will, O my God. Yea, the law. Is written where? In my heart. Lo, I come in the volume of the book which was written about me. Hebrews 10 verse 7. 
Hebrews 10, verse 7. Then I said, actually go back, I think, go back to verse 5. Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, he said, the writer speaking about Jesus. He is quoting and attributing these words back to Jesus. But when the writer was quoting, he was quoting Jesus, even though the first person to say these words were David. David says these words because it was mandatory for any man who rises into kingship to now have a volume of the book that is written about them. If there is no volume of the book that is written about a king, a king cannot fully walk in their kingship. But when the writer of Hebrews now writes this and says this, he's not attributing it back to David, but he attributes it back to Jesus. Are you following? Wherefore, when he came into the world, he said, but when you study, Jesus Christ does not say this anyway. He, he writes it, he attributes it to Jesus, but Jesus does not say it. What does he say Jesus said? He says, Jesus said, sacrifice and offering thou has not, would have not, but a body has thou prepared for me. And burnt offerings and sacrifices for that, for sin, thou has no pleasure. Then I said, lo, I come in the volume of the book, which was written of me to do your will, O God. The word of volume is the word that depicts capacity and enlargement. The book there comes from a word that describes a scroll. Like in those days, we all know they had scrolls. We all know what a scroll is. The original intent for scrolls were maps. So when you look at a scroll back in those days, words were written, but not written to inform people, but to give direction. So there is a volume of the scroll which is written about this man. But now when you study it in the Hebrew, it does not say, I've come in the volume of the book which is written of me. It is, I've come in the volume of the book which is written on me. So when Jesus Christ comes and steps into the scene, he's not just saying, there's something written about me. He says, there's something written on me. And what does it say? So that I can do your will, my God. Show me the ancient paths. The scroll depicts a map that shows you direction. Show me the ancient paths. Every single person has a book of destiny written about them. And that book of destiny is not, in the normal world, there's an autobiography that's written about you at the end of your life. But in the spiritual world, there's a book that God has written about you before you were born. Before you were in your mother's womb, I knew you and your ordination was before you were even conceived. Before you were even thought of. There is something that is written about you. It is not, uh, it does not start the moment you step into the world. It's been there. All you, all you are doing right now, as you are living, you are pulling out the scroll. And God is showing to the people, this is what I want to do. 
So when Jesus was in the garden of Gethsemane, when he says, God, let this cup pass by, he wasn't just saying, God, you know what? I'll just be a skeptical and submit to what you are saying. No, he understood the volume of the book. That's why he could forsake his will and hold on to the will of God. I have come in the volume of the book. I've come carrying capacity to do your will. To do your will. And your will is not done because you, and that's where the problem is. We think God's will, you know, we, we come to God with our will. We say, listen, God, my will is a square. Your will for me is a circle. I don't care how you do it. Take my square and put it in a circle. And God says, no, we go behind closed doors and we start to, we try to shape it. And we wonder what's happening with our lives. Time is beating us. We are shaping what we were not created to walk with. And God is saying, forsake it. Why? Because there's a will I have for you. And you will only know it if you will allow me to guide you, to counsel you, to instruct you. And I will give you counsel through my eyes. Now we still, let's, let's, let's wrap up the volume of this book. Isaiah 60, verse 1, and we'll jump over to verse 20, 21 and 22. Arise and shine. For thy glory has come. The glory of the Lord has risen upon thee. Love to read the rest, but let's go over to verse 20. The sun shall no more go down, neither shall thy moon withdraw itself. For the Lord shall be thine everlasting light, and the days of thy mounting shall be ended. Thy people shall also shall be all righteous. They shall inherit the land forever, the branch of my plant and the work of my hands, that I may be glorified. A little one shall become a thousand, and a small one a strong nation. I, my Lord, will hasten it in his time. Now here's where the problem is. Saying you're full of evil, God has done it in his time. You get a job, opportunity, a promotion, God has done it in his time. I've seen it. Where people will say, uh, Isaiah, they'll attribute their testimony to Isaiah 60 verse 22. That's okay. That's okay. But if only we knew that we are not fully walking in what the scriptures say. So we attribute the time of God based on the happenings in our life. When you think, I got a car at 30, God has made it right in his time. But actually, according to the volume of the book written about you, your first car, you were supposed to get it at 21. In the natural, it's a testimony, but in the spiritual realm, you were delayed. We are inspired when someone graduates from varsity, gets a degree at 78. Like, hey, my brother, you did it. No disrespect, but you get the picture. You, you get the picture. How and when will they practice? 
when there's a 22-year intern running here, you know these 2000s will run, they, they, they are busy. Out of respect, but you're getting what I'm saying. There's a volume of the book that says when you were 19, you needed to have started working in something. There's a volume of the book that says at this time you were supposed to. So remember the book of Isaiah or the Old Testament books were not written on in chapters and verses like we have now. Right? They're all written on scrolls. Isaiah the prophet will write his prophecies. No chapter, no verse, but he's just writing his book. So between chapter 60 verse 22 and chapter 61 verse 1 there's actually no verse it's a continuation it's what the scholars say so when it continues I the Lord will do it right in my time it's not talking about a time that something will happen and you'll rejoice and put a Facebook post which is also good you need to testify of the goodness of God in your life that's very good we are not bashing or crashing that but let us now walk in the reality that the scripture is introducing us to. So between verse 22, Isaiah chapter 60, 61 verse 1. The Lord says, a one amongst two shall become a thousand. And little amongst two a strong nation. I the Lord will do it in my time. Next verse. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me. To preach good tidings unto the needy. He hath sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and opening of the prison to the that are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort them that mourn, to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. That who God may be glorified. So we attach time to the happenings in our life, but not actually what God has ordained. It is not what happens in our lives that determines whether we are on time or not. It is what the ordination of God is in the spiritual realm. So you are busy. Uh, my friend graduated at 23. I should do it. We are basing our victories and testimonies based on the next person. What has God said about you? What has God written about you? comes Jesus. Jesus comes and you need to know when God leads you, it won't always be like this. Uh, uh, when God leads you, Luke chapter 4 verse 1. Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned to the Jordan and was led by the Holy Ghost into the wilderness. The Matthew 
in Matthew, uh, uh, Matthew says to be tempted by the devil. No, wait, whoa, whoa. Oh, why is the de- why why is the Holy Ghost leading me there? Oh, wait, wait, was Jesus led by his impulse? No. Was he led by his degree, his intellect, by his father, his mother, by his surroundings? He was led by who? The Spirit into the wilderness. Some of you are binding a season that God has intentionally put you in there. How? You spirit of wilderness, leave me alone. Ah. But who led you there? Who led you there? The Holy Ghost. And Jesus Christ was led there full of the Spirit. <laughs> Many of us are there. We are full of the Spirit. Full. We are full. And we are intimidating others on how full we are. I am Fabina. Oh, I am full. Full of the Holy Spirit, Jesus Christ was led where? Into the wilderness. He left where? Go back to verse 1. He returned from Jordan. Was led. Remember, just before this, John had just baptized Jesus. And at his baptism, the heavens were open. The dove descends, a voice is released. This is my son. Some of us, we, I, I heard God say, God just spoke. But still the spirit led him to the wilderness. God just spoke. It's scripture. God just spoke in the midst of everyone to identify and validate Jesus in, in front of multitude. God just spoke. And after speaking, you would expect, yeah, uh, now you can make me a pastor. No. Make me a prophet. Sia 1, Sia 2, Major 3, Major 77. Make me general apostle, evangelist. After that validation from God opening the heavens, everyone seeing the Holy Ghost descend and the voice of God coming. The spirit does not say go to the palace. He says go to the wilderness. And for those who are still living carnally, it was for punishment. Until you get to verse 14. And Jesus came out in the power of the Holy Ghost. He came out in the power. Many are walking in the fullness, but very few are walking in the power. How many of us can say we are walking in the power? When Jesus was in the wilderness, he was being capacitated. The volume of the book was being filled, was being filled, was being filled. So that when he comes out of the wilderness, he will come in the midst of the people and say, No, 
I come in the volume of the book. Jesus Christ's destiny was too big for him to live casually. And so, so the same applies for you. Ah, oh, verse 15, verse 15, let's wrap up. Verse 15. And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified of all. And he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And his, as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day to stand up and read. At his point of his custom, every year from the day Jesus could read, till this day, he would go as it was his casual or continual practice to go and read. But today, because he's full of the power of the Holy Ghost, he reads it from a different perspective. And there was delivered to him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he opened the book, he found the place that was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. So the time that God makes right is not the time of your blessing. It is the time when you come in the capacity of the volume of the book that is written about you. So when God leads you, he's capacitating you to walk in the power of the destiny that is landing over your life. I've come in the volume of the book. I've come. There's a book written on me. And when I read it, I'm not lost. This book is now directing me to go somewhere, to do something, to say something. When the volume of the book is written about you and you start walking in that ordination, you never late. You never delayed. You never bound. You never held back. But you walk in the fullness of what God has called you to. It is time for the church to arise and take hold of what God has written. It is time for the church to arise and stop praying, playing Mickey Mouse. It is time for the church to walk in the fullness of what God has called them. 33 was not the year that God thought it is not best. No. If Jesus, full of the Spirit, went into the wilderness and he did not go, came out of the Jordan full of the Holy Ghost, if he had skipped the wilderness, he would have waited till he was 53. But he had to go through what was necessary. He needed to be capacitated. No, I have come in the volume of the book which was written on me. That writing is on the scroll. It says, this is your life, Jesus. This is how you should live. This is how you should walk. Don't just walk casually. So when God teaches you his ways and he leads you, he's not leading you just to show off. He's helping you according to the volume of the book written about Deacon Norbert. There's a volume of the book written about Brother Gerald, about Brother Kevin. There's a volume of the book written about you. It's not about what other people are doing. It's not about what other people are going through. It's about the volume of the book written about you. Church of God, we need to be tired of missing destiny. We need to be tired of being too delayed. We need to get tired and rise up and say, God, what is this? God, what is the season? God, what is the message? I say to the youth on Saturday, 
If you live in Australia, what business do you have studying the map of South Africa? What business? In fact, in Cape Town, what business do you have studying the roads in Joburg? Unless you're going to Joburg. For some of you, the volume of the book written about you has been written specifically for you. What is God saying? What is God saying? You're not late because you graduated late. You are late because you're not walking according to the volume of the book. There's a volume of the book written about you. There's a volume of the book written about you. And that book is meant to direct you in what God has said about you. Uh, let's stand to our feet. Let's stand to our feet. Some books need to be opened. Some books need to be discovered. Some books need to be opened. Some books, your book has been written. You're not going to find a book that's about to be written. No, 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 no. I, I, I often said, when God told me to get married to my wife, the year God told me, I was 25. Or, sorry, 20, yeah, I think I was 25. So God, no, it's too early. I will not get married now. I'll get married at 30. God said, no, my friend, I don't need you to get married at 30. You'll be too behind for destiny. I need you to get married now. So sometimes I'll party. Sometimes you're walking according to the volume of your book, which was written about you. And it is to do the will of God. It is to do the will of God. There is the volume of the book written about you. What does it say? What does it say? What does it say? Do you know? If you don't know, this is the time where you get angry, not with anyone else but yourself, and say, what is written? Am I late? Am I on time? What is God saying? Where is it taking me? What is it doing? What is being said? When angels look from heaven, they say, this is what God has written. But we are not seeing it. God, have you given him the wrong book? God says, no, he just doesn't have capacity. It is time to build capacity. Where you are, lift up your hands and say, dear father, come on, say till they hear you. At the top of your voice, say, dear father, I can't hear you. Say, dear father, I ask you that tonight you will capacitate me. Capacitate me. For my assignment in Jesus' name, come on, let us pray. Some of you have been going through pain. And that pain is not to kill you. It is to enlarge you. If you're one of those, pray for God to help you, give you grace to handle it. You're not done yet. Some of you are on day 12 of your wilderness experience. Some of you are on day 1. Some of you are on day 12, 15. Some of you are on day 20. Come on, push, push, push. Rakata 
of what God has said about you will continue to in confusion. You will stay like the children of Israel. Their walk in the wilderness was not meant for 40 years. But because they refused to walk in what God was saying, they stayed there for 40 years. If you ask God to reveal or you don't what God has said about you, you'll be like those in the wilderness. Where you are, lift up your voice. God, what you've revealed about me concerning my destiny, I want to walk within it. Come on, where you are, Akunche Kedelevai, bring the Holy Ghost, and ask God, feel what's been written about you, what God has ordained you for, what God has said about you. Some of you, as you pray, you'll cover, recover three years that you've lost. Some of you will recover eight years. Some of you will recover ten years you've lost. Some of you, twenty. God's mercy is resting upon someone that you will do in one moment. What, may, what it took many to do in ten. Come on where you are. Are you praying? Are you praying? Are you praying? Rakabrante.
in Jesus' name. And lastly, every man has an assignment on them. Every man. Every man has an assignment on them. You see, here's the problem is. Allow me to show you this. Deacon Victor, both of them, I've just called them. I've just called him. I just called him. The problem that we have is that too many of us walk in, we are called. If you understood, it's not about you are called. It's about what is the assignment. That's why the Bible says many are called. Few are chosen. And only those chosen are given an assignment. What is the assignment over your life? It should go beyond I am called. No. They should become a reality or a manifestation of the assignment over your eyes. That's the assignment. Why? Because he's been called. But you see, God doesn't just call you to say going to, going to ministry. <laughs> Mark chapter 3. Thank you, Zemet. Mark chapter 3. Verse 13. Jesus went on the mountainside, called to him those he wanted, and they came to him. Number one, he appointed 12 designating them to be apostles. He could have called them to the mountain and they could have just been of the word. But when he wanted people to assign, he called them and he designated the assignments. Number one, that they should be with him and that he might send them out to preach and gave them authority to drive out demons. Too many of us are walking on, I've been called. After knowing that you are called, you need to know what is the assignment. Some of you, you are chasing, but your assignment is to be a kingdom financer. Some of you are chasing things you shouldn't be, but you're called to become a billionaire, a millionaire. I want you to pray. God, reveal to me my assignment where you are. Come on, let us pray. Lord, what is my assignment? Right now, you need to pray as if though your destiny depends on it. Your life and your future, your purposes depend on it. Rakash koto vele dai, brata kaza vara daze, joko brante, jaka brata os, raka dai, jaka brante ke vele dai. Lord, reveal to us our assignments. What is the assignment? What is the assignment? What is the assignment? What is the assignment? Rapakosh kote vele daza, bakando kroto zevele dai. Give us understanding of the volume of the books that we may know which direction to take lord we pray jeremiah 6 12 show us the paths that we may walk in the ways we will not be led by hearsays we will not be led by intuition we will not be led by the flesh lord as your sons show us show us Show us like you did with Moses. Lord, you told him. He gave him a pattern to build. Lord, what is the assignment? Come on, two more minutes. I need you to pray. This is a destiny altering moment. This is a destiny altering moment. When you're walking according to the volume of the book that is written about you, you are not late. You're on time. I don't want you to see delay right now. You see God's hand 
our God has written about you. Come on, come on. One more minute. Come on, church, are you praying? 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 Your prayer is an announcement to the spiritual realm that you are taking back what's yours. You are taking your assignment. You are taking what God has given to you. Come on, are you praying? 30 more seconds, 30 more seconds. Father, we thank you. Jesus, we thank you. Holy Ghost, we thank you. Just lift up your hands and put your eyes on him. Lord, we know, Father God, as you had Jeremiah, that Father God, you knew him before and you ordained him a prophet. Lord, there are assignments that need to be discovered and others need to be rediscovered, oh God. Your children may feel like, but Father God, all they need is of what you have called them to. We ask you, oh God, that you will lead them and reveal them to them what it is that you have said. Lord, some feel like they're late. Some feel like they delayed. But Father God, what it is that you have said, they will redeem the time. So we ask you, O God, reveal to others in the night vision. Reveal to others in your word that Father God, as they sit in tomorrow, whether they're replaying this message, replaying Sundays, or God, or listening to any other message, or reading Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that Father God, you to them what they need to do, O God. Let your fall. Father God, let it be audible. Let it be loud. Give them the way, O God. Show them the path and that they will walk in it. Lord, reassign that lost assignment. Give back that business. Give back, O God, what your children have lost. And not only that, Father God, capacity to attain and sustain what you have given to them. We are asking, O God, in this year, O Heavenly Father, that as we of God accelerated move, that Father God, your children, your sons and your daughters, they will begin to walk that immediately, O God, that immediately something changed. Suddenly something changed. Instantly something changed. Let it be so, O God. I declare, Father God, under those, I declare, Father God, that those that are under the sound of my voice, that next week they will come back with testimonies of blessings, of promotion, of acceleration, of open doors. Father God, let the heaven over every single one here, oh God, even those listening online, let them bring, come back on Sunday with a testimony. Thank you, Father. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Holy Ghost. Just give it up for Jesus. Give it up for Jesus.